This morning, we are going to take a break from the sermon series that we've been in this fall. So if you haven't been around with us, we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, and we've been doing this because our new vision, which we introduced in September, is rooted in Ephesians. And so this has really been a opportunity for us to cast vision uh, through this sermon series. But for this morning and next week, we're going to take a break. We're actually going to take a break through the remainder of this month uh, as we focus in on some Advent and Christmas themes specifically in our sermon. So with that in mind, I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to go ahead and open to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use uh, one of the Bibles that's provided in the pew rack. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read for us the first 13 verses, but we're really going to focus on verses 5 through uh, 13. So John chapter 1, beginning from the very first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, open the word to us. May the story of redemption draw us in this morning. May we see ourselves in this passage in the way that you intend for us to see ourselves this morning. And Specifically, we pray that the light of Jesus would shine into the darkness of our own hearts. We pray that you would shine this light wherever we find ourselves this morning, believing, disbelieving, unsure of what we believe, filled with joy, depressed, cynical, tired, awake, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, you know where we are. Come and search us and shine the light of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple weeks ago, as we started our Advent season together, I introduced the service by quoting from Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, Tish Harrison Warren is a theologian from Pittsburgh, and she wrote an an article that appeared in the New York Times about the Advent season. And I want you to hear this title, because I I love it. Uh, It might sound gloomy, but I really do love this title. The title of her article is, Want to Get Into the Christmas Spirit? Face the darkness. How's that? Want to get into the Christmas spirit? Face the darkness. And in this article, she writes this, Advent bids us first to pause and to look with complete honesty 
at the darkness. To practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep, wordless desire for things to be made right and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. I like that. I don't know about you. Uh, Maybe that you just are confused by that. Hopefully, as we work through uh, some of this passage together, maybe it will help make more sense of it for you. But if you want to get into the Christmas spirit, the true, uh, authentic Christmas spirit, face the darkness. And that's really the theme of this passage here in John. Until we face the darkness, we cannot experience the light. And so I want to talk um, a little bit about facing the darkness, and then I want to talk a little bit about experiencing the light. So the Bible describes the world as being under a spell of darkness, if you will. A spell of darkness. Uh, You you heard, you picked up on that, I I would assume, even as I read the passage. Um, Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, right? And the darkness has not overcome it. And then later on, verse 9, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And so, According to John, the gospel writer here, as he's telling the the beginning of the story of Jesus in his gospel, he's highlighting for us the fact that light was needed because darkness is real, because darkness exists in the world. Isaiah chapter 9, that's a chapter that often gets referred to during the Advent and Christmas season. It says this, people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And so even in this Old Testament prophecy that gets uh, picked up on uh, by, in the Gospels, not in the Gospel of John, but in uh, Matthew, um, what is being stressed here? Well, you heard it. People walking in darkness, people dwelling in a land of deep darkness. Darkness is referred to... Uh, nine times uh, throughout the Gospel of John. What does the Bible mean when it talks about a world of darkness? And and before we we even talk about that, I want to ask this question. Do, Do you believe, do you agree with the Bible's assessment? Do you agree that the world is a place of darkness? Is darkness real? What do you think about that? Well, First, I want to say this. I want to talk about what we don't mean when we say that the world is a place of darkness, or at least what the Bible doesn't mean. Because sometimes it could be that Christians talk about uh, the world as a place of darkness as if the only thing that we can see, the only thing that we experience is darkness itself. And that's not what the Bible says. The the Bible does not tell us that the only thing that we know in our existence as human beings is darkness. And so darkness is not the only thing that is true of the world. The Bible tells us that we see both light and darkness uh, at work in the world. We see both light and darkness at play. And this brings us to our kind of definition or description of what the Bible means when it talks about darkness. When the Bible talks about a world of darkness, it's talking about living out of sync with God. That's what's meant by darkness. So darkness is characterized 
by living out of sync with God and his good intentions for his people and for his creation. And the story of the Bible goes like this, that we were created in God's image. We were created to experience the glory of God. We were created to experience glory all the time. You could say that we were created for light. We were created to walk in the light of God's goodness and provision at all times. But something happened. Human beings rebelled against God. Human beings got out of sync with God, so to speak, because why? Because they decided, because we decide regularly, that we know better than God, that our intentions, that our desires are better, that we have our best interest in mind. And when that happened, creation itself got out of sync with God. Darkness came into the picture um, in our world and also in in the story as the, the Bible tells it. But here's the deal. Once darkness enters the world through sin, that is the rebellion of human beings against God, it does not mean that, again, the only thing that we ever know and experience in the world is darkness. We also have glimpses of light. We still experience the goodness of God in a variety of ways. But we come back to this definition of being out of sync with God. Darkness is captured by that. Darkness is living apart from God. Darkness is living in rebellion against God, not just simply in a general way, but in specific ways, in daily decisions that we make as we seek to govern our own lives and get out of sync with God These are all pointers to darkness and its reality. One uh, author that I came across this week um, wrote this, I have wept this week with grieving loved ones. I have whined this week about failing body parts. Everywhere I go, it seems there is something to grieve. Our country appears torn in two over politics. Our earth is suffering by fire and flood and pollution. Our children are frightened and anxious in staggering numbers. Our minds are worried about past, present, or future, or possibly all three simultaneously. Everything from naval bases to romaine lettuce seems to be a potential threat somehow. A world of darkness. And so, you know, coming back to that question... What do you think about the Bible's assessment? Uh, And and maybe you're coming from outside of um, living within the church. And so when you hear this, you're skeptical, you're you're cynical, and and maybe you think that we know that this isn't true. But but, but hold on. Just pause. Be careful before you answer so quickly. Because I think that if we are honest, and remember, this first point is about facing the darkness honestly. I think that if we are honest we would have to say that darkness is definitely a reality in our world, isn't it? Darkness is a, uh, is a reality. But darkness is not just a reality out there. Now, for those of us who um, are accustomed to um, living our lives within the church, I would suggest that in many ways, we're really good about identifying and locating the darkness out there, aren't we? We're good at that. We're trained in that, but we're not as good at identifying and locating the darkness in here, within, in ourselves. And so as we think about this reality of darkness, 
I, I would encourage you to not just think about it as something in general out there, but as something that is specific and uh, even inside of you. Darkness is real. We're, we're not trying to be pessimistic here. And, and I apologize that if you're sitting there thinking, man, this is Advent, Christmas, what, like, let's, well, where's the cheer come in? It's, we're, we're not trying to be pessimistic here. But Christian spirituality, the Christian faith, is about reality. It's about reality. It's about seeing and accepting what actually is. And we can't talk about experience. Whoa, where did that come from? We can't talk about experiencing the light unless we honestly face the darkness. It's not about pessimism. It's about realism. And Advent when we're really practicing it in the way that we are meant, we're meant to be practicing in the skill of waiting on Jesus, on identifying the darkness out there and in here, and looking to him to shine light into those dark places. Advent is an opportunity, an invitation for us to be real. Our culture talks a lot about being real. We all talk a lot about being real. We, we use buzzwords like, you know, being authentic and such things as that. But the reality is, is that we don't like to be authentic. We don't like to be real, even though we talk about it all the time. I would suggest to you this, that our, 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 our culture is all about superficial authenticity. Our culture is all about talking about being authentic while actually not being authentic. And the Bible wants us to go deeper. The Bible is wants us to be actually genuinely authentic. We have to face the darkness in order for that to be true of us as God's people. And so I wonder for you, what is the background of the darkness in your life currently? John, as he begins this gospel, acknowledges that there is a background of darkness. Jesus comes into the picture, he comes into the world with a background of darkness. What is the background of darkness in your life presently? We all have darkness that haunts us, all of us. And let me say this, it can get confusing, as, especially for those of us who are Christians, as we think about these dynamics in our lives, because we can talk about Jesus has brought light into the world. He's brought light into my life. He's changed me. And then, you know, maybe your experience was you, you became a Christian and you believed that everything would go perfectly fine after that. But what you found, what you discovered was that, man, darkness is still, there's still darkness in me. And there's a lot of darkness surrounding my life. How do we make sense of this? Well, the Bible, it doesn't use um, this terminology, but we find ourselves in the midst of the already but not yet. The Bible doesn't use those words, but it's the picture that it paints for us. It's the experience that it describes for us, that Jesus has really actually come, that he really actually has brought light into the world. We're going to talk more about that in a few moments. But darkness is still a reality, and it's not just a reality out there. It's a reality in here. And so in this time, in this space that we find ourselves in, both coexist. And so I, I tell you that maybe as encouragement, because I know how this happens. I'm a pastor, and I sit down with you, and as you identify darkness in your own life, sometimes the question is raised, well, am I even a Christian? Do I really know Jesus? 
Darkness and light often coexist because we find ourselves in the already but not yet. What is the, the background of darkness in your life right now? Financial struggles, mental illness, marital struggle, depression. Maybe the darkness of the world at this time is really pressing upon you, the, the division in our, in our country, maybe poverty that exists, violence, terrorism, mass shootings that continue to occur. The Bible uh, describes a, a, a world that is real. Not the world, fairy tale world that we might to imagine, like to imagine, but a world that is actually real. And God is willing to interfere with our cheer because he loves us. He loves us so much that in his word, he gives us truth. He gives us what's real so that we might actually be authentic people living in relationship with him. But especially inside of you right now, what is the darkness? Is it maybe you would say twisted desires, wounds that you have experienced that you continue to carry with you and you can't find freedom from? Emptiness, and then associated with that, the coping mechanisms that you draw from to try to fill that emptiness. Maybe it's substance abuse. Maybe it's technology. You see, as we really begin to break it down, when we really begin to be honest, we see darkness in a lot of places. You've got to identify it. You've got to identify it. I've got to identify it. We can't truly experience the light unless we honestly face the darkness. It's hard. It's a struggle. We, we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But Jesus loves us so much that he extends this invitation to us. Jesus wants to shine his light into the dark areas of our lives. He wants access to that darkness so that he can bring healing, so that he can bring redemption, so that he can bring recovery, but that is not an easy process. And guess what? It's a lifelong process. I wish that I could tell you differently, but I can't. It's a lifelong process. But ultimately, it's a good process because we begin to see more of the, of the light showing up in the crevices of those areas of life that, that are just plagued by darkness. We begin to see light shining through, breaking out, and, and we can be filled with, with hope. But we have to be willing to do the hard work of identifying the darkness within us. And that can happen in many different ways. Um, and let me suggest to you that it doesn't typically happen well on your own. I, I know in my own life, it's really hard for me to honestly face the darkness in here by myself. I need other people in my life to point it out, but I also need other people in my life for when I do identify, uh, identify it, that I can go to and talk to about it, that can walk with me in the midst of that darkness. We can't just simply try to do this on our own. It's too scary, it's too big, and the darkness will overcome us if we try on our own. Where do you tend to go in order to fill the darkness with light? What do you tend to fall back on? Like, what is your default? 
that when you encounter the darkness within, like what's your default? What do you fall back on? What do you try to use to, to make yourself feel better? My guess is that, now sometimes it, it might provide light for a time, but ultimately our coping mechanisms that we use just plunge us further into darkness. They plunge us further into darkness. And Jesus does not want that for us. And so he invites us during this Advent season, as hard as it is, to identify the darkness within. You want to talk about something more positive now? There's still going to be some negativity, but we're going to shift now. Let's talk about experiencing the light. This uh, gospel begins with familiar words. John begins this story that he's telling of Jesus with words that if we're familiar with the Bible, at least, are familiar to us. In the beginning. Have you heard those words before? Where have you heard them from before? The very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of the biblical story, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning was God. John knows what he's doing. This isn't an accident. John is intentionally telling the story of Jesus framed by the creation story. Now, we're not focusing on verses 1 through 4, so we're not going to take time to get into what does he mean by the, Jesus being the word. There's some kind of weird... Uh, something sounds funny to me. Um, we're not going to get into what it means that Jesus is the word. Um, we actually preached, I preached a sermon on that last year. Um, something changed. Did you guys hear that? It's not just me. Something changed. I was starting to get nervous that I wasn't going to make it through the sermon because something's happening again. All right. It's not me. I, I, I think I can get through the sermon knowing it's not just simply me. What were we talking about? The Word. Oh, I preached a sermon last year at some point focusing on those verses. So that's not the focus this morning. But I do want to highlight for you how John is framing the story of Jesus within the context of the creation story. And what's John's point? What is he trying to do? That the coming of Jesus into the world is a new beginning. That the coming of Jesus into the world is the start of a new creation, if you will. God, in the person of Jesus, is recreating the world. And what's the backdrop of that world? It's a, a world of darkness. And in Jesus' coming, he is bringing light. He wants to shine light into the darkness. I want to point out something to you here. Notice in those verses, in the first four verses, first four verses the past tense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. But then skipping down to verse 5, there's a change. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What's going on here? We shift from a past tense to now a present continual tense. And John is not just simply saying the light is shining in the darkness right now. But what he's saying is that the light will continue to shine in the darkness. It's continual. It's never ending. The light will continue to shine. The light keeps on shining. Notice what he says. 
The darkness has not overcome it. Why is it that the darkness has not overcome it? Because the light shining is not a one-time thing. The light keeps on shining. The darkness cannot overcome it. The light just keeps on coming, we could say. Darkness does not know what to do with this light that Jesus brings into the world in himself. It can't comprehend it. It can't extinguish it. And here's what I especially want you to see this morning. This light that comes is a light that comes from outside of the world. And this brings us back to what we were talking about. When we are confronted with the darkness in our own hearts, the darkness in our own lives, what do we do? What are our coping mechanisms? We try to basically save ourselves, don't we? We, we, we try to come up with all of these ways to uh, create light, to make ourselves feel better, to rescue ourselves from the darkness that just seems to be oppressing us. But here, what John is wanting us to see is that the true light of the world comes from outside of the world. And this is a beautiful truth of Christianity. It actually brings us into the essence of what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about rescue from outside of ourselves. Now, I get it. On the one hand, this is hard to accept. We don't want to accept that there's nothing that we can do to remedy our situation. We don't want to accept that. Uh, you know, in my, there are many moments in which I don't want to. I mean, generally, okay, I can say, okay, yeah, I accept that, but... When it comes to the day-to-day -day living of my life, there are so many examples of how I'm trying to control, how I'm trying to rescue myself through the, the walls that I might put up, whatever it might be. And so it's hard to accept that. But I want you to also see that th this is actually really freeing. Because if we face the darkness honestly, I think what we would also come to see is that there is no light that we can produce ourselves to overcome the darkness. And so what Christianity provides us with is true help. It's why Jesus can be described as the true light. It's why Jesus, later on in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, says, I am the light of the world, because he is utterly unique. He's utterly unique. And the, the, the verses here capture it, early, uh, the beginning verses of John. What is unique about Jesus is that he is both fully God and he's fully human, and he can come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. This is a light and a help that comes from outside of the world. We can't find that anywhere else. And while it's hard to accept because we want to be in control, it's ultimately liberating because we know it to be true, that despite our best efforts, we cannot overcome the darkness. So Christmas, in many ways, is an intervention from God. It's an intervention. It's God intervening when we are at our most desperate, when we are most helpless, when we recognize that there is nothing that we can do. Last week, I shared a story uh, about an interaction that I had with my wife, um, an interaction which I failed miserably, it was one of those interactions in which I, um, I failed to listen well. She wanted to talk to me about something. 
And, you know, I I think that I want to talk now about identifying the darkness in our own lives in a way that's not just kind of general and abstract. It would be easy for me to move on from that and to say, okay, I, I realize that I didn't listen well. I need to improve in that area, so the next time I'm going to do a better job of listening. But I really need, needed to examine my heart. I, I, I needed to examine why. Why was it that I responded in this way? I needed to identify the real darkness. Not the fake darkness, but really identify it so that I can begin to experience greater light. And guess what I've come to realize? That my response to my wife was actually about my own fear and anxiety. And I've begun to, as I'm looking at this more, I'm beginning to see this all over the place. I'm beginning to see how I'm making decisions, I'm responding to people, I'm reacting to circumstances out of fear and anxiety. It's not about my wife. It's not about other people necessarily. It's about what's going on inside of me. It's about how the darkness is showing itself. And the darkness in this example, which is showing itself, in, it's rooted in fear and anxiety. Ultimately, I am afraid of not being in control. And so as Katie sat across from me, talking to me about uh, what she was experiencing, what she was going through, the reason I couldn't listen well is because I immediately tensed up and wanted to figure out how to solve it. And I, and I mentioned this last week, not solve it in order to make her situation better, but actually to make my situation better, to make it so that I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Like I shared that honestly with you last week. Like I'm, I, she's telling me this, I'm thinking, I have, it, this is Advent, I have so much on my plate right now, there's so many uh, things going on in the life of the church, I got to quickly figure out how to solve this because I can't have something like that I have to figure out in my own home going on. All about me, darkness. And, and here's the thing, if, unless I sit with that, scary, but unless I examine that, unless I'm willing to identify the darkness, I can't experience the light of Jesus in that specific area of my life. And so pray for me, pray for me in that. But we have to be willing to identify the darkness if we want to experience the light. But Jesus is so gracious with us. He's so gracious with us. And this is where I want to end with this. You know, I mentioned earlier that the darkness is something that haunts us forever. Uh, sometimes I use the example of the, the whack-a-mole game. Have you ever gone to an arcade or the boardwalk or something? The whack-a-mole game where you are, the, the, the moles keep popping up and you're trying to hit them and then it gets to the point where you can't keep up. There's just too many. Well, that's like the sin in our lives. It's just too much. We can't keep up with it. And we can be too hard on ourselves. And what I mean is that we can begin to doubt the love of Jesus for us because of the darkness that still exists and pervades our lives. But Jesus understands, and Jesus is full of grace. Later on, John here is going to say Jesus brings the truth. We've been talking a lot about truth. But John also says that Jesus is full of grace. He's full of grace. And this is ultimately what should give us the courage to be willing to sit with Jesus and identify the darkness. He's not going to shun us. He's not going to reject us. If we are looking to him, 
You see, if we look to ourselves, we remain separated from God. And, and that's the essence of the, the whole light and darkness thing. The darkness, living life out of sync with God, it's separation, it's alienation from God. God is our true home. And Jesus is the one who comes into the world to shine the light and restore us to, to God who is our true home. But Jesus, as we sit with him and we identify the darkness, if we are looking to him in faith, he will not shun us. He will not reject us. He tells us to come, to come to him, to experience the light, to experience the love. And it's actually the grace of Jesus that empowers us to identify the darkness more and be willing to confess it. Because if we're living in fear, if we're living in fear of others, if we're living in fear of Jesus, we don't confess our darkness because we don't want it out there. We don't want it to be known. We don't even want to think about it. But Jesus is the one who comes to us from outside of our predicament. And he brings love. He brings grace. He brings the truth. He wants to talk on the level of truth. Like he, he says to us, all right, let's be real. We're, we're, nothing superficial. Let's identify the darkness. But as you do it, I am here with you. I am present with you. I love you. Your relationship with me is secure. Let's work through this. Let's allow my light to shine in the darkness of your life. I wonder if some of us need to come out of hiding. I wonder if that's the case for you this morning. If some of us need to come out of hiding. We're hiding so much darkness in our lives, and we are just so accustomed to it. Like, and, and this is the danger of, of allowing the darkness to have more sway in our lives is that we become used to it, and it becomes harder and harder to identify it. And so I wonder if you need to come out of hiding, beginning with just simply confessing the darkness to God, confessing it to him. Stop trying to Shine your own light into this darkness. You keep trying, you keep trying, nothing's changing. Confess this to God. And then confess it to a person that you trust, that you know is willing to walk alongside of you in this darkness. But this is the pathway to change. It's the pathway to growth. And it involves us, and this is the hardest part, it involves us giving up control. The reason that we hold on is because we want to control it, right? We, we want to control how people respond to us. We want to, we want to be the ones that ultimately figure out the solution to it. But that's not what God has for us. It's not the way that God has designed humanity to be. He has designed us to live openly and honestly with him, that we might experience his goodness, experience his uh, acceptance for us through faith in Jesus. So come out of hiding this Advent season. Come out of hiding. I, I, like, I know that as you hear me saying that some of you, it's like freaking you out. But I also know this, that somewhere inside of you, you're saying, oh, I want to so badly. I, I, I want somebody to enter into this darkness with me. I want somebody to walk with me. 
God's grace is sufficient. God wants you to experience the light of Jesus. Come out of hiding. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Advent, for how it forces us, or at least invites us, to slow down and to just simply be silent before you. You have created us for light. We are sorry for the ways in which we walk in darkness. Our prayer is that through the Holy Spirit, you would shine the light of Jesus into the darkness of our hearts. We pray that you would make us people of light who contribute to the light shining in the world around us. I pray for courage. I pray for strength. I pray that we would be willing to get over ourselves in order to experience the fullness of what you have for us. We thank you that in the same way that you came to Adam and Eve and asked the question, where are you? Because you wanted to invite them out of hiding. You do the same for us. And so I pray for many of us this, that this Advent season would be a time for us in which we come out of hiding to experience the light of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.